Hey, Georgia educators, we have new discussion guides available to use with Classroom Conversations episodes. These discussion guides include open-ended questions to facilitate great discussion and professional learning after listening to each podcast. Find the new discussion guides posted with the Classroom Conversations episodes and blogs in Georgia Home Classroom. educators. Welcome back to Classroom Conversations. I'm Ashley Mingwasser, host of the platform for Georgia's teachers. The Classroom Conversations podcast series is presented by the Georgia Department of Education with media partners, Georgia Public Broadcasting. And our inspired leaders from each agency are here in the control room, watching, waiting. But first, do you hear that? It's a hint about today's topic. That worrying is a sewing machine. We're talking tailoring, altering your approach to instruction based on student background. Altering's just a little sartorial humor for you. No hemming and hawing here. I want to weave into our teacher guest right away. This woman is a 26-year fixture in Georgia's classrooms. Janine Bunn is here to discuss her strategies for tailoring instruction, responding to student background. Janine is a fifth grade gifted math and science teacher at Lamar County Elementary School. Let's play a little clue. Welcome, Janine. Thank you. Are I'm, you excited to be here? I am so excited. It's uh, Thank you for having me. All I'm, the way from Henry County. I do. Yes. I yes, love it. Well, yeah. I want to introduce you to these listeners. So okay. let's dive in. I'm going to give you an item that represents your life, okay. and you're going to tell us how. Okay? okay. Our first little clue is... Jeep. How is a Jeep relevant to your story? So my husband and I are Jeep enthusiasts, and he more so than me a little bit, but um, he's kind of brought me into the Jeep world. And we go out to Moab, Utah, and um, trail guide trails during their Jeep Fest. When is um, Jeep Fest? Well, it's Easter Jeep Safari, and it's usually <laughs> the, right around Easter. And That's so, funny. yes. When yes. I think of Easter, I think of Jeeps. I'm, <laughs> doesn't everyone? Yes. Or I will now. That is so adventurous. Yeah. See, teachers are so interesting. Okay, here's our second clue. You ready, Janine? I'm ready. Barn. Okay, so. Um, a barn is located on my farm where I live. Yes, yes. And we raise cattle. How many cattle? Too many to count. Too many. And um, they are in their calving season right now. So we're having a lot of little babies. You're having a baby well, yes, cow. Yes, What other creatures live so on this farm? So we have some sheep. Mm-hmm. And um, we raise, uh, well, we don't raise, but we have horses um, we used to have chickens, but they what they happened? they had to go to my daughter's house. So, oh, why? Yeah, she because she's be- better at tending them than oh, I am. Oh, okay. Yeah, I so. bet you wish you had some of those chickens right now with these egg prices. Actually, she brings me the eggs. <laughs> <Thank so. God. laughs> yes, yes, that's important. Yes, twenty six years in the classroom is a long time, Janine. It, it, it is. It is. It is. When did you know you wanted to be a teacher? So funny you should ask, but I think when I was a child, I knew I wanted to be. Wow. I may not have recognized it, but I was one of those students or one of those little girls that came home and um, I emulated my teachers. (laughs) 
I got my stuffed animals out. I talked to my stuffed animals. I just always, I loved everything about school. We hear that sometimes. Do you, do you feel like you were called to this? I think so, yes. Yeah. I think that's my purpose. Really? Um, I do. Do you think that's true for all teachers? I I don't know. I, I think probably. I think you have to have some little flicker or ember just to even step into a classroom. That's so true. I, I think that there's probably a little bit in every teacher that steps into a classroom. Now, they have that thing. I think so. Wow. I don't At least I hope they do. I. You're, it's funny you mention that because I don't think I've ever even considered being a teacher, so my pilot light must be out, Janine. <laughs> and so I can talk to teachers like okay. you and have this job. Tell us a little bit about um, what you teach and whom you teach your students. So currently um, I'm teaching fifth grade gifted math and science um, in Lamar County, but I have had vast experience. I've co-taught um, autism transitional classrooms. I've taught second grade, third grade, first grade, kindergarten. Um, I've pretty much done everything but drive the bus. Well, there's still time. I know. Janine, I know. Before you retire, yes. <laughs> how do you feel about fifth grade? I love fifth grade, and it's so funny because until this year, I always saw myself as a primary teacher, and um, and now I'm thinking, why didn't I try this a few years ago? Really? <laughs> yeah. So I love my fifth graders. That's yes. interesting. Yes. As you have proven today, teachers are very dynamic human beings, which I love, with full and robust lives <laughs> outside of the classroom. What else do you do out there in the real world, Janine? Oh, my. So in the real world, um, I have several other things that I do, of course, with my family. But one of my, I guess, my most interesting side gigs is um, serving as a commissioner on the Georgia Professional Standards Commission. Interesting. So yes. that's an a, appointment. It is. Appointed it by is. Governor Kemp. Wow. Yes. That's a big job. It is. And there and it's a very eye opening um, experience. Yeah. It's a very um, I feel like it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's, um, you know, um, a, an important job to do. And to take it seriously, and and you know, I'm just so fortunate that I was selected and appointed. Georgia Professional Standards for Teachers, I presume. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, wonderful. Yes. I got it. And uh, you also do a little something on Sundays. I do. I teach Sunday school. Always teaching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wherever yes. you are, you can't get away from it. That's right. How, what age are your uh, little Sunday school kids? My little Sunday school kids are seven, eight, and nine. Oh, that's yes. a wonderful age. Yeah, they are. Yeah, it kind of gives me that um, break from the older kids. So I get a little bit of my primary um, kid fix, I guess, <laughs> if you want to call it that. Well, after talking to Eugene, I know that training for project-based learning is really what first got you interested into tailoring instruction. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, Okay, so um, uh, several years ago, you know, as you get older, time feels like it's just, you know, it was yesterday, but it was probably more like five or six years ago. But um, there was an initiative in the county I was teaching um, to kind of incorporate more um, project-based learning. So my school participated in the Buck Institute Um, project-based learning, project-based works learning. And so we all went through training, um, and I was certified as a project-based learning educator. And that led to creating and writing different units that um, really um, incorporated the standards but put them in a a place where the kids could be engaged by – 
just creating projects. Collectivity. Right, right. Yeah. Collaboration, um, uh, communication with the kids, um, creativity. Right. So, yeah, so it incorporated you've, all You've kind of got to know who you're teaching to to yeah. develop the best projects right. to meet the standards. I see right. that. Let's dive into our subject today, tailoring okay. instruction. What does tailoring instruction mean to you? Tailoring instruction to me um, really just talks about finding that best fit for a student, whether it be providing supports, whether it be providing um, enrichment, incorporating all those things. It doesn't always have to be part of a project-based learning project. Right. It can be every day. It can be those little things. Um, little supports in the exactly, classroom. Exactly, exactly. Um, so that's kind of what, it's meeting the kids where they are, where they come to you, and then building from that and thinking about the long, the the, the picture down the road, where do they need to go? Right. When you say meet them where they are, what kind of things about them, characteristics, cultural information, student background, what kind of stuff are you looking for? So um, when we, I like to get to know my students, um, I know it's, it, we spend, the or I spend the first month of school really trying to make connections with my students because I feel like um, until they really kind of trust you a little bit or really kind of connect with you, you know, uh, learning can take place, but enhanced learning uh, really happens after after your connections. To do yes. Okay. Well, how do you implement personalized learning plans oh. to meet the needs of your students? So there's a variety, you know, and there's so much good professional development out there about that. But what I like to do, um, I like to goal set and conference with my students. I like to get some baseline data, um, kind of talk about, and, and not just academic, you know. Uh, so we, we collect baseline data. Um, we kind of, in the beginning of the year, kind of find out where they are. Mm -hmm. um, and then I conference with my students and we goal set and we keep um, track of it in a binder um, that, that we, they keep that they keep in the nice. classroom. It's kind of like a little portfolio. So things that they are proud of, they um, they put into those portfolios, and it's what they're most proud of. I don't remember doing that until I was a senior with a senior portfolio. So to to introduce it in fifth grade, yeah, that's pretty interesting. And it's also handy. So we do something called student led conferences, where the students are actually leading the conference um, with parents. Oh wow! And so that helps them kind of pull out these present artifacts and present their work to their parents. That's yes, cool. Yeah. And that's that's a really good snapshot for parents too to look in this one repository of major projects of the year. Yes, and parents are um, when they're always kind of in awe or surprised at how well their students can speak to their um, their learning and their um, their academic progress or or what's happening in the classroom. That's brilliant. Those personalized learning plans and notebooks. Is tailoring instruction only about academics, or are things like student behavior, classroom? expectations including included in how you tailor the instruction. Right. And so that's a huge piece of it. Really? It is. Um, it Because I you have to start pretty much at day one, ground zero. I like to, at the beginning of the year, um, we make classroom agreements. Nice. Um, yeah. So they're co-created with the students. Um, we I don't call them classroom rules. We create right. together a list of agreements that we feel like we need to abide by 
while we're in the classroom to have um, healthy learning. Nice. So um, those are things, and we all sign it, and then I make it into a poster, and it's placed in um, in my classroom, and I refer to it daily. I love so, it. Yeah. It's like your shared contract. Yes, and the students even take ownership of it, and, you know, from time to time I'll even hear them say, but, you know, in our agreement uh-huh. it says. So. <laughs> that is brilliant. What sort of things might we find in your classroom agreement? You can find all sorts of things. Um, so mostly it's things like, um, and it's their language, the one that I can think of right offhand is, um, you know, um, to be kind, use kind language. Mm. If you see others are struggling, help them, um, you know, and we try to, re- of course, there's the always raise your hand, you know, if we're in a group discussion, take turns, make eye contact. And they really, it's it's their language. Um, I do guide it a little bit. Of course. Um, especially in the, when I've done it with younger kids um, or lower grades, uh, because it, they may not always have that background to, they know what rules are, but to actually turn it into, this is an agreement, this is what we're going to agree that we're going to do in our classroom. Right. So you have these agreements for classroom expectations, and that's one way that you yes. tailor instruction collaboratively. Are there any other things you do for student behavior and engagement? So we, our school is actually um, a positive um, behavior school. So um, Tell me more. So that is where an initiative where the whole school um, kind of is on um, focused on, like we're focused on in our school, three rules, be safe, be respectful, and be responsible. And then we have certain guidelines that when we're in certain part, parts of the building, that's what we adhere to. There's certain level zero is a zero, like a no talking voice. Ah. Level one is just like a whisper. Rules of decorum. Yes. <laughs> what are some regular ways all the time, commonly, Janine, that you gain background knowledge about your students? So, There's always, you know, teachers like to check out their permanent records at the beginning of the year. That gives you a little, you know, just data. Um, But at the beginning of the year or throughout, I kind of like to survey my students and kind of one way that that I also gain background knowledge besides just the regular parent surveys and student surveys, we have a class meeting or a morning meeting. And so students are... um, they come to the to the floor. We have a circle, and we meet, and we talk about things that either were struggles. Maybe they had a presentation that was difficult, and we talk about what parts of those, um, that presentation might have been difficult. We also give feedback to, to each other. We call it grows and glows. So oh, that's nice. So students give a grow, some you know, maybe an area that they feel they're like working they're on. working on, and a glow, something that they feel like they're doing well in. Um, yeah, and then just and glows, right? And then you know, throughout the day, it's um, it's small group instruction. It's pulling kids. Um, you know, I will say that um, I know that in the beginning, I struggled as how to manage all this mm-hmm. because I know that's a huge. Um, it can be a huge barrier, but the more you do it. It's like anything else, the more practiced you become, and so your management becomes a little better Yeah. Um, as far as being able to assign different tasks or let students um, kind of – I'm a big on um, advocacy, um, self-advocacy, so I like it when students – know what their weekend and they come and say, could I, could you help me find something or can we work on this um, in math? 
decimals are kind of a huge thing right now. So oh, yeah. we're yeah. And those decimal points matter <laughs> if I've learned <laughs> anything about life. And once you have that knowledge that you've gleaned, how do you use it to tailor the instruction? So um, maybe so. Let's just say um, for example. Um, one of my students, so I have students right now working on um, eighth grade math all the way down to on fifth grade math. Wow. So I know, but thank goodness for technology. Right. So, <laughs> so that's a huge help. But it's not only, I don't only rely on just the technology. Um, I try to um, provide activities and hands-on activities. So in my room, it, there's a whole wall, a whole um, shelf full of manipulatives and math tools that if a, a student needs some hands-on instruction or hands-on practice, then I'll go and pull those little hands-on manipulatives and give them a practice activity. And that sounds so. very engaging, actually. It breaks up the learning. They can go do something active for a bit if they need some reinforcement. Exactly. Exactly. How do you encourage your kids to take responsibility for their learning? You mentioned some ways they yes. check in with you. They advocate for themselves when they need some help in an arena. Yes. Um, and so one way is to, um, well, what I said before about the student-led conferences. Yes. When they know that there's going to be um, a real product or a real scenario that they're going to have to present their learning, that makes it a little bit more of a challenge. And, and so they're a little bit more um, prone to be responsible in finishing and completing. They want it to look nice. They want it to... Um, be presentable. In the past, we have presented to other classrooms. We've presented to experts. And so when you kind of give them a reason or um, a, I don't want to say maybe accountability, yeah. like they're going to be presenting this in a real world situation, it kind of steps up their responsibility yeah. a little bit. That requires some extra motivation. It does. Sure. It does. And you mentioned your student-led conferences, which I love as an idea. What are some other ways that you're interacting with, with families? Okay. So in my classroom this year, we use something called Class Tag, and it's, um, it's just another digital platform that we communicate with our students. Our whole school uses it. But on Fridays, my students create a weekly wrap-up. So there is a videographer, which is just the person that holds my phone. The student that holds my <laughs> phone. Hashtag videographer. Yes. yes, yes. It's all it But they love days. that that yeah, the reporter, the person who's actually Very recording good. the news and um, the producer. So the person that kinda, you know, makes sure that everything gets put in to the weekly wrap up, um, and so I have found by having stu having students present the weekly wrap up rather than me just sending out, it just adds that parents are looking for their student. They're looking to, to see their they're kids. Looking, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. And so. that's and that's fun for students too. That's another another way for them to take responsibility in their learning, right. which we were just talking about before. How do the parents react to these student-led conferences in okay. particular? So like I said before, some of them are really amazed that um, the students can speak to in, in depth in such detail. I don't think they really realize um, what goes on daily in our classroom. Right. You know, I think they just, you know, and, and I, I'm guilty of that as a parent, too. You send them off to school, and you're like, okay, don't Are forget. Are you learning? <laughs> yeah, what did you learn today, you know? But when they really sit down and a student has um, documentation and they're speaking to it and they're talking about their 
last formative assessment or whatever, their last checkpoint, and, and either, you know, giving their grows and glows about that. Parents are, are I think, amazed. I think they really enjoy hearing their students talk about it rather than me just presenting the data or the, um, now I do, you know, kind of sit, I, I'm there and I don't just let them. You proctor. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's yeah. what it is. So, but we have a template and, and they have a script that they um, present to their parents and they've already practiced it a few times with a, a friend. And so they're, they're at ease to talk about their learning. And now they're ready for their dissertations. <laughs> I mean, that is amazing, Janine. I've had second graders do it, so it can be done. Uh, I know, yes. I yes. applaud you. Tell us a particular story where tailoring instruction using a particular student's background knowledge made an impact on their learning. I know that this one is, is a bit of a heavy it one. It is. It is. This is a um, this is a heavy one, but I, I think it's important to share. So yes. um, when... I was teaching second grade a few years ago, um, about five years ago now, six years. Um, I had a student um, who was, he was in, so this particular year, I was teaching gifted, co-taught, autism transition, all in the same classroom. Wow. It was a busy year. (laughs) I'd say. (laughs) But um, this particular student, he was gifted, but he was... um, I think by others, he was always, or other students, he was always viewed as kind of unmotivated. And, and, you know, he had friends, but he just wasn't. Was he just quiet? He, well, that, he was a little aloof. He just, um, he just liked his, what he liked to learn about. And he didn't really want to join in on other things. Or if he did, it was kind of, um, sometimes in the classroom, there's a, you know, relationships are especially at that age. They're right. all a little egocentric at that age. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he, um, so anyway, he, he had a little hard time getting, in, first of all, being engaged in class and then with friendships. Mm. So I kind of um, went through, started digging a little deeper and into his background and realized um, just by looking at his data on, in the IC or in his permanent record that he was, um, Hawaiian Pacific Islander native. And so I thought that was so interesting. I thought, so I started having conversations with him. I was like, tell me a little bit. So he would tell me a little bit about his grandparents or things that he knew. And then I started trying to, or going to the library and pulling books that I felt like were a little bit, um, centered towards that culture. Interesting. And he began to read those and then he would, um, he would talk to me about him, and I'd say a little bit, could you share that? Do you feel like sharing this morning at morning meeting? And so he would, and that just, it kind of opened the door for engagement. With and his peers, yeah. Yes, yes, and then they wanted to know more. And so it was a, you know, it was just a great way for him to kind of break through some barriers that he had as far as social and and um, academic. He started Um, reading more. He started taking AR tests. He started more motivated more to um, participate. And then um, that year in Honolulu, there was a volcano eruption in May. And he and I just looked on Scholastic News. We just read all about it. And he was reporting about it daily. So he had a lot of um, to offer. And, um, you know, the year went on, and, and he left me like they do. And um, uh, 
shortly, well, about a year and a half after that, he was diagnosed with um, childhood cancer. Oh, no. He was. And um, he uh, later ended up passing. Oh. Yeah. Um, and he was he was my little Kalani love bug. He had a special place in my heart. You had a connection. We did. We had a connection. And um, when I went to the funeral home to visit, his mother told me that she just thanked me for, um, you know, trying to find ways to engage. And, and because he had told her that his second year, second grade year was his best in school. Look at that. And it was with you. And it was with me. And, and it was because of tailoring instruction. It was. It was finding, you know, and it doesn't always have to be huge. It can be finding, sorry, um, finding that little access point, access point to, to kind of, and, and you do, it's all about relationships. It really is. You really have to, I know it's, it's easier said than done sometimes, but it really is about building those relationships. Thank you for sharing that story, Janine. I'm so Thank sorry. You. I'm glad he had you. Well, I am glad that I was fortunate enough to be his teacher. Yes. Look so, at that. And yes. now you're you're touching your current students' lives in meaningful and measurable ways. Is there a big unit or a big project you're working on now that you're using tailoring instruction to achieve? We are. So we are about to. So in fifth grade, um, electrical circuits are a big science unit. Wow. Yes. So um, I'm having to learn along with my students, so that's kind of a good thing. But we are going to. <laughs> so you're not a part-time electrician in addition to the farm. Or no, the Jeep but all tours. my but all my friends that are electricians, they're they're probably getting a little tired of me calling. So, um, <laughs> but we are about to. Um, we're going to do some labs with circuits, and then they're going to create um, their own. Game, sort of like the operation game, if you were familiar with the kids' yeah. game of oh, operation. I, I hate that game. <laughs> I cannot play that game and get any organs out of that body. Yes. So they're going to work in small groups. Um, they're, they have um, rubrics and certain checkpoints that they have to go through, but they're going to create their own uh, circuit game to, um, to present to um, – each other and other fifth grade classes. Oh, that'll so, be cool. Yeah, yeah. And what what particular personal detail about each of them or are you looking for? So how are they adapting it for themselves? So they like so okay, so that's great. I'm glad you asked. So um one of my students is a huge Georgia Bulldog fan. And so, <laughs> so being that they just won the second national champion. That is a big deal. Yes, it is. He wants to um he wants to make a Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett. <laughs> he wants the operation. So they, instead of just being the little guy on the operation game, they get to create like a sports figure. They get to create, you know, um, any kind of character that they want to um, put into their game. And he wanted to, to choose a, an athletic. Well, that is timely. Yes, yes, so. I, I would say great choice on his part. <laughs> yes. What tools or tips would you give a new teacher on incorporating personalized learning plans in their classroom, Janine? My advice would be to start slow and try not to try to do everything all at once. Find one thing that you want to focus on until you feel like you're comfortable with that and then proceed. If it's creating class portfolios um if it's if you feel like you know you're you might be better at starting at goal setting try not to because you can get as teachers we can get overwhelmed 
we always want to make everything perfect and we want it to be, um, you know, our best product. And Before so, you even started. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So I would say um, to new teachers or um, just starting out in um, tailoring instruction or diff- personalized learning, um, just start sl- slow. Start with one small area and grow from there. Um, find what you feel is your most, you're in your comfort zone. Yes. Any other tips? Um, just be patient. Be patient. <laughs> be patient. Yeah. Try not, just try not to get overwhelmed and be patient. Right. Be patient with yourself and be patient with your students. Right. And when you feel overwhelmed, just go home to your farm and talk to your That's sheep. Right. Right? That's right. That's <laughs> right. Thank you so much, Janine, for Thank being here today. Thank you for having me. You yes. tailored us better than a bespoke suit, m'lady. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Teachers, by noticing student background, you bring them to the foreground in their learning. Spotting cues and access points to reach each child will fundamentally change the way your classroom feels to each of those young people looking up at you. Knowing their story could be the key to their achievement. Try it now and later, like Janine. You're a great teacher. Classroom Conversations is back next week. I'm Ashley Bingwasser. Goodbye for now. Funding for Classroom Conversations is made possible through the School Climate Transformation Grant. 